now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'd always been an avid explorer. Being able to uncover history, as inconsequential as it may be, was the best feeling in the world. I had spent plenty of time exploring abandoned parks and buildings around my city. My house was on the outskirts of town, bordering a massive forest. I went for hikes every once in a while to clear my head. Usually I would choose a different path each time. That was until I found a small wooden cabin that had clearly been abandoned. The door was missing. The wood was rotting and it was overgrown. The first time I stumbled upon it, I was unprepared. Usually I carried a knife and some pepper spray with me when I explored these places, just for my own protection. You never know who might be hiding in there. I didn't have any of it with me that day, though, since I hadn't planned on anything more than a short walk. Besides, I hate to admit it, but something about that cabin shook me. As soon as I laid eyes on it, my heart beat faster than it ever had before. My whole body was jittery, so I left. I went back home and tried to forget about it, but I didn't forget about it. The next few days, I couldn't focus on my work. I couldn't do anything. My mind was consumed with the thoughts of what could possibly be in there. Soon, the thoughts took over my sleep. At first, I dreamt about the cabin, but would wake up in a cold sweat before I could step inside. Then the thoughts progressed to the point where I was unable to sleep at all. Exactly a week after first discovering the cabin, I decided it was the day. I was going to finally see for myself what was hiding in there. With the knife and pepper spray safely tucked away in my belt, I set off on my journey, retracing my steps from seven days before. My pulse rose higher and higher as I got close to the cabin. When I finally saw it again, it appeared exactly as it had on my previous visit. I walked in through the empty doorway. The floorboards made loud creaks with every step. The first room was completely empty. An orange glow shone through a door on my right that was hanging on by one hinge. My palms covered in sweat, I pushed the door aside. The source of the glow was a set of five identical candles sitting upright on the floor. It's a miracle this place hasn't burnt down, I thought to myself. One by one, I picked up the candles and blew them out. As I was about to put out the last one, 
something red on the wall caught my eye. I raised the candle near the wall, using the light to inspect further. Written on the wall, over and over again, was a name. Peter Sherrill, my name. The candle slipped through my fingers and fell onto the floor, but I no longer needed it. Even without the light, I could now clearly see my own name written in blood on every inch of this room's walls. I instinctively stomped out the fire on the floor, still processing what I had just seen. My whole body shook as though there was an earthquake. My knees gave out, and I fell harder than I'd ever fallen before. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, repeating forever in my head. Tears fell from my eyes as I struggled to comprehend the meaning of this cabin. When I finally regained the strength to stand, I tried to walk out of the cabin, to leave it behind, to pretend this never happened. But something in my own head told me that, no, I had to stay. There was more to this place than just the writing. There was something else that I needed to see. Maybe it was my own instinct. Maybe it was some mysterious force that science can't explain. Whatever it was, it was convincing enough that I turned around and went further into the house. At the back of the cabin, there was a staircase heading down. I didn't know where it led, but again, something in my own head told me to continue. So I did, further and further down. The staircase was now made entirely of stone and lit by torches on the walls. When I arrived at the bottom, I was met with laughter. A man stood ahead of me with his back turned. He had long hair that clearly hadn't been cared for in years. He was thin and decrepit. I stood frozen in place, even as every natural instinct in my mind was telling me to run. The man turned around. What I saw, standing directly in front of me, was my own face, my own body, me. The only difference was that he was clearly older by a few years, but his eyes, his nose, everything, he was absolutely unmistakably me. I stood in place, jaw dropped, for what seemed to be an eternity. How is this possible? The sound of my heartbeat echoed through my entire body, drowning out everything else. The ground felt uneven, and the basement began to spin around me. My vision started to fade. It was only when I noticed the knife in his hand that my mind snapped out of its broken state, and my body allowed me to move. I had to act fast, so what were my options? I could have stayed put, but this person, or this thing that was imitating me, showed no signs of being peaceful. I could have run, but what if he caught up to me? With my mind clouded by panic, I could only think of one other viable choice. I quickly unclipped the pepper spray from my belt and squirted it directly into his eyes. Into my eyes. I had half expected it to hurt myself as well, but it didn't. The older version of me covered his face and stumbled backwards. I had an opportunity and pounced, drawing my knife and piercing his chest. He almost immediately fell to the ground, limp. After taking his knife and my own, I ran back up the stairs, horrified by what I had just done. After contemplating my options, I decided I couldn't risk leaving the cabin. I had just committed a murder, even if there was no reasonable explanation for the existence of the person I had eliminated. I had to stay in hiding. A knot tightened in my stomach as I realized I would have to take care of the body, just to be safe. The cabin was secluded, but it was still too conspicuous if someone did find it. When night fell, I dragged the body all the way out of the cabin and into the woods, trying not to throw up. I went deeper into the woods, ensuring nobody would ever find it. I walked with the body of my older self for a couple of hours. As it turned out, there was one more surprise in store for me that night. 
I stopped in my tracks when I realized I was walking toward a seemingly endless series of deep holes in the ground. A shovel lay in front of my feet. I let go of the body as I went to investigate. I peered over the edge of one of the holes, my breath hastening, as my new greatest fear showed up in front of my eyes. Another version of myself was lying dead in the hole. It was a gravesite. Running from one grave to another, it was repeatedly confirmed that this was a gravesite entirely populated by dead versions of myself. My body, my thoughts, my feelings, all went numb. I stopped thinking. I did the only thing I could do. I picked up the shovel and dug another grave. Immediately after tossing the body in, I began my multiple hour walk back to the cabin, back to my new home. That brings me to the present. I'm sitting in the middle of the cabin, typing this out on my phone that's almost dead as a cry for help. In the days following my discovery of the cabin's secret, my mental state went from numbness to horrified understanding. I fear I may be stuck here until a younger me comes to take my place. Even worse, I fear that new versions of me are continuously cursed to fulfill this disgusting prophecy for all of eternity. Just yesterday, I returned to the room that had my name covering its walls, only to find one more piece of writing hidden amongst the names. The cabin must always have a resident. Today is my birthday. I'm spending my birthday with my father. Since my mother is out of town on a business trip, I had to spend my birthday with my father alone. My father is a very relaxed person. He is calm and collected and enjoys time hunting. I decided that I wanted to go on a hunting trip. I only went with him once when I was little. He seemed pretty surprised, considering I spent much time at home building small wooden projects. It was going to be my first time hunting with a rifle, so my father had to get me prepared. My father took some time teaching me how to hold my rifle. It was really heavy on my arms. My body also fell with it as it fell into my arms. Considering that I am only 15 years old and never had any experience outside my home away from my crafts. He had a couple of rules that were pretty understanding, but the last one kind of shook me a bit. He told me, if you ever hear me say your name, it isn't me. He said that in a joking tone, but I could tell he was being serious at the same time. He never called me by my name. He always told me, anyone can know your name, but not everyone can know your nickname. It was getting cooler outside, coming down to around three in the afternoon. Since my father lives out near some woods, it wasn't too far of a walk for us. He obviously saw me as tired, so he looked around for a point where we could relax and hunt in place. Over an hour has passed and nothing came around. My father told me, I'm going to go take a walk around Dev, as his patience was coming to a stop. I decided I was going to stay. I felt secure and all of our stuff was here. Neither did I feel like carrying everything on my back again. I nodded as he headed into the forest, hearing all of the noises of the forest around me. I was understandably scared, knowing this is one of my first times in the forest. I heard twigs snap all around me, clutching my rifle as I was shaking sitting on this log. After a while of waiting around, I decided it was best to meet up with my father. Heading into the same direction as him, I was still a bit shaken. My rifle was the only thing keeping me from running away. Seeing my father a few more minutes following the same path, I slowly crept up on him and said, Dad, are you all right? He turned his head to me, looking a bit frightened, with lost color on his face. My father never gets scared like this, even when he told me about his past hunting experiences. 
I was asking what was wrong, and then we heard it. Devin! I was hit with an immediate sense of danger. A wave of fear hit me that I've never felt before. I wanted to throw up in fear. My father grabbed his rifle and rested it on the rock. He whispered to me, Can you see anything? I calmed down and lifted my head up, trying to be as quiet as possible. I looked up, trying to let my eyes focus considering the circumstances. As my eyes started to focus, I saw a man, but not a man? His body was disfigured, not seeming to look like a normal human. I couldn't really seem to make out much more. We were about 40 to 50 yards out. My dad told me whatever that is it isn't human. My father seemed like he was going to break down in fear. But he held his composure for me. We need to leave now, Dev. He slowly lifted his rifle up and turned around, trying not to make a noise as we were going to head back. He couldn't catch his footing and slipped. The noise caught the creature's attention who was still yelling my name, seeming more desperate and louder. I was watching it closely, still not being able to make out its face or anything. Squinting more and more, I saw it. It turned its face to me. My body was telling me to get out of there now, but I was frozen with fear. I waited for my father to go farther down, as he is heavier than me, so I can move faster and quieter than he can. It fled behind a tree out of my vision, which signaled us to run. I swung my body out of its frozen state. I said in a hurry, RUN! My father left me in a full-on sprint, following behind him. My gun fell from me, and I know it was my only protection. I needed to stop to grab it. When I was looking up after grabbing my rifle, it was around 20 feet away from me, and could make it out now. The figure was tall, with very lengthy arms, with hind legs as a dog, but much longer. It was a darkish brown color, with its head shaped like a human, but it's not normal. The creature's face looked more human-like. It stared at me, saying, Devon over and over in a comforting tone. I tried to lift my rifle up and shoot, but it was faster. It flew its body at me, covering a heavy pace. I was standing thirty yards away. My father took a shot from afar, yelling at me to get out of there. Pumped with adrenaline and fear, my body was in overdrive. I ran so fast it felt like I was slipping on ice, running past my father. After it felt like ages, I made it to the rest point. Too scared to know what happened to my father, I held the rest point, not knowing whether my father made it. As quick as worry and sadness started to fill my body, it was soon at ease when my father appeared only moments after me. He was limping, seeming to be having a tussle with whatever that creature was. We packed in a hurry, knowing it could return whenever it wanted. We were taking a fast pace back to our house. Not looking back, we breathed heavily having our first near-death experience in the woods. My mom was home looking worried as we headed into the house. Because we had been gone for over two to three hours, it took us another 45 minutes to make it back home. My father and I headed back in. We both sighed as mom was cooking dinner for the both of us. I heard the phone ring from the living room. It was pretty late at night, so my father told me to go check who it was as he walked into the bathroom to clean himself up. When I got to the phone, it was a voice message from over 15 minutes ago. Hi Dev, sorry I missed your birthday. My flight got delayed, and I won't return till tomorrow. I love you. I hope you get this message today since I know your dad wants to take you hunting all day. The caller ID was mom. My body was frozen, scared even to move. As I slowly put the phone down, I could hear my mother's voice from behind me in a comforting tone. Devin, dinner is ready. We took it all. 
We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The high peaks of the Rockies always did look like a siren call to me. From my childhood bedroom window in Montana, I'd stare at those distant blue silhouettes, crafting tales of adventure. During a Sunday afternoon matinee, while engrossed in the movie Wild, my old dreams reignited. Reese Witherspoon's gritty journey on the Pacific Crest Trail spoke to the very depths of my wanderlust. As the end credits rolled and the theater lights came up, I decided then and there that I'd tread that same path all by myself. Weeks were spent buried in maps, trail logs, and weather charts. I transitioned my daily runs into long hikes, training my body for the upcoming journey. The local outdoor supply store became my second home. The young cashier, Mike, with freckles scattered across his nose, knew me by name. Getting ready for a big adventure, ma'am? He'd ask each time I came in for yet another piece of equipment. Campo, California, the starting point of my adventure, greeted me with a dry warmth. The arid air, filled with the scent of wild sage, was nothing like the crisp mountain air I was accustomed to. At the start, the PCT sign faded, worn by the elements and the touch of countless hikers before me. I couldn't help but run my fingers over it, wondering about the stories of those who'd come before. On the morning of April 30th, I tightened the straps of my backpack, took a deep breath, and started my solo hike, my steps echoing my heart's fervent beat. The trail was both my challenge and my refuge. The first day was grueling. The desert, with its vast stretches of golden sand and sporadic shrubs, didn't offer much reprieve. Yet as the sun lowered in the sky, casting long spindly shadows, the horizon transformed into a canvas of oranges, purples, and deep blues. By dusk, I'd covered 25 miles. My body ached, but my spirit soared. The days melded into one another, each sunrise heralding new terrains, encounters, and challenges. Sometimes the trail was a straight, arduous path. At other times, it meandered through the landscapes, playfully hiding behind rocks or dipping suddenly into valleys. But it wasn't all breathtaking views and mesmerizing sunsets. The desert had a dual nature. It was as perilous as it was beautiful. While lost in my thoughts one afternoon, a soft rattle pulled me back to reality. Just a few feet ahead, a rattlesnake sunned itself. Realizing how close I'd come to stepping on it sent chills down my spine. Nature's warning was clear. While she could be a comforting mother, she wouldn't think twice before revealing her fierce, wild side. As I set up camp each evening, the solitude began to sink in. It was just me, the vast open trail, and the stories it whispered through rustling leaves and distant animal calls. My dreams were now a reality and more challenging than I'd imagined, but with every mile, I felt more alive, more connected to the raw, untouched world around me. The trail tested my limits and gave me insights into its intricate secrets. It was a journey of self-discovery, understanding the world and finding my place in it. Kennedy Meadows, often hailed as a hiker's paradise, appeared before me as a patch of green amidst the starkness. Tired, dusty, and grateful for some semblance of civilization, 
I made my way there, feeling every bit like a cowboy returning from a cattle drive, seeking rest and refuge. The first thing that struck me about the meadows was the laughter. Other hikers, some lounging, others animatedly sharing stories, brought an unexpected yet welcome sense of camaraderie. We were all, in our own ways, explorers of the vast expanse that was the PCET. Different beginnings and reasons, but the same path had brought us together. I met Dan, a middle-aged man with laugh lines crinkling around his eyes. Over shared cans of beans, he told me about how he was hiking the trail in memory of his late wife. They'd always planned on doing it together. Then there was Lucy, barely out of her teens, taking a gap year to figure things out. Every face and every story added layers to my journey. The few days I'd intended to spend became a blur of storytelling sessions, group meals, and stargazing. The skies at Kennedy Meadows were a thing of wonder. As night descended, the stars came alive, scattered across the inky black like a handful of diamonds, their brilliance reflected in the eyes of fellow dreamers below. As the days unfolded, though, that eerie feeling of being watched, which I'd managed to suppress amidst the company, started to crawl back. It was an itch between my shoulder blades, a constant sense of someone just out of sight. Maybe it was other hikers' tales of strange encounters or wildlife on the trail. Perhaps it was my own mind playing tricks. But at night, nestled in my tent, every rustle of the wind, every distant footstep seemed amplified. Lucy approached me on my last night as the campfire's flames dwindled and conversations lulled. Her usually vibrant eyes seemed shadowed. You ever get the feeling, she whispered, her voice barely audible over the crackling embers, that you're not alone on this trail? I swallowed, my earlier apprehensions suddenly validated. Sometimes, I admitted, but I tell myself it's just the wild playing tricks on me. Lucy glanced around nervously. I thought so too, but last night, just outside my tent, I heard something, a voice, and not just any voice, it sounded like my mother. She looked away. But my mother's been gone for five years. The weight of her confession hung heavily between us. We both knew the wilderness could be deceiving, but this, this was something else. Promising to stay alert and to check in with each other when we could, we parted ways for the night. As I slipped into my tent, the unease was palpable. As lively and communal as they were, the meadows held secrets, whispered tales that perhaps weren't just tales after all. The morning sun brought a new resolve. I packed up, said my goodbyes, and returned to the trail. The vastness awaited, and so did its mysteries. While I was more determined than ever to conquer the PCT, I couldn't shake off the feeling that the trail, in its silent, watchful way, was slowly pulling me into its enigmatic embrace. The sweeping vistas of Yosemite felt like they'd been ripped right from the pages of a storybook. Towering granite cliffs gave way to lush meadows, and roaring waterfalls provided a musical backdrop to my every step. But even nature's majesty couldn't deter the unease in my bones. Each sunrise brought a fresh start, and the hope that the unsettling feelings from Kennedy Meadows would fade. But as the sun journeyed across the sky, the sensation of being watched grew more robust. The whispering wind seemed to carry murmurs, and the rustling leaves seemed to conceal whispers. On one of these sunlit mornings, while refilling my canteen from a stream, I first spotted the figure, a vague silhouette on a ridge, stark against the morning sky. Squinting, I tried to make out details, but it remained indistinct, like a smudged charcoal drawing. 
Shaking my head, I continued my hike, trying to chalk it up to fatigue or a trick of the light. But the sensation persisted. Glances over my shoulder, straining ears for footsteps, and double-checking my tent zippers became habitual. One evening, while making my way towards a marked campsite, a sense of urgency propelled me forward. My trusty GPS showed the camp was just a short distance away. The promise of the company seemed like a beacon. Breaking through a thicket, I was met with a welcome sight. Tents of various sizes dotting the clearing and the gentle hum of fellow hikers sharing their day's experiences. Safety, I thought, was in numbers. Eagerly setting up my tent amongst the others, I shared a meal with a couple from Colorado. Their easygoing nature and the light-hearted conversation made the shadowed figure seem like a distant memory. But as night crept in, casting long, dancing shadows from the campfire, the sense of foreboding returned tenfold. Sometime around eleven, at night, nestled in my sleeping bag, I jolted awake to a sound that sent chills down my spine. My name was being called out from the darkness in a voice I couldn't quite place, an eerily familiar voice, yet distorted, like a warped recording. Kim. Kim. For a moment I lay paralyzed, doubting my senses. But when it came again closer this time, terror gripped me. Who was it? What did they want? I remembered Lucy's words from Kennedy Meadows and shuddered. Was I, too, hearing the voices of long-lost loved ones? The night seemed to stretch endlessly, every sound amplified in the haunting silence. Morning couldn't come soon enough. The campsite stirred to life, with hikers preparing for another day on the trail. But I felt like a shell, the previous night's experience casting a long, cold shadow over my spirit. Sitting by the campfire remnants, Dan from Kennedy Meadows approached, concern evident in his gaze. Rough night? He inquired gently. I hesitated, then spilled the events of the night. To my surprise, Dan nodded slowly. You're not the first and won't be the last. This trail, as beautiful as it is, holds many mysteries. His words, while comforting, held a warning. Whatever was out there was very accurate, and it seemed it had its eyes set on me. The trail ahead seemed to stretch endlessly, its undulating path framed by the towering pines and broken only by the odd outcropping of rocks. The sheer vastness of the PCT never ceased to amaze me, but it also held a sense of isolation that was both overwhelming and eerie. A misstep on a loose stone brought a sharp, searing pain to my ankle. I crumpled, a curse escaping my lips. Panic, immediate and pressing, welled up as I realized the gravity of the situation. Alone, miles from any town, and now with a potentially sprained ankle. After a moment of collected thought and testing, I realized it wasn't broken, but walking on would be a painful endeavor. A nearby campsite indicated on my GPS became my immediate target. Using my hiking stick as a crutch, I hobbled along, the pain a constant reminder of my vulnerability. Setting up camp took longer than usual, but once inside my tent, the weariness of the situation settled in. An early dinner was followed by a deep, albeit uneasy, slumber. The darkness outside seemed oppressive when I was jolted awake. An unnatural silence had settled as if the forest was holding its breath. Then, I heard it. The voice, more insistent this time. Please help me, Kim, it pleaded, over and over in rapid succession, echoing in the stillness of the night. My blood turned cold. As familiar as it was strange, the voice seemed to be right outside my tent. 
Armed with only my flashlight and a steely resolve, I decided I had to know. I slowly began to unzip my tent, the sound deafening in the silence. Just as the flap opened, a chilling scream cut through the night. Heart racing, I shone the flashlight in its direction, and my breath caught. A figure, humanoid, but devoid of apparent features, stood at the edge of the campsite. Its silhouette was stark against the night sky. Challenging my fear, I shouted, Who are you? To my horror, it responded with my question, Who are you? Its tone was mocking a nightmarish echo. The figure began to circle my tent, its movements erratic. Every instinct screamed at me to run, but my injury and the unsettling presence outside trapped me. Hours felt like days until finally, dawn began to break. The figure had vanished when the sun's first rays filtered through the trees. But a closer look around my campsite revealed a terrifying sight. Distinctly non-human footprints circled my tent. The raw reality of the night's events sunk in, leaving me trembling. Mustering all my strength, I packed up, using the daylight to my advantage. Each step was a painful reminder, but the need to distance myself from the sight drove me forward. I was determined to reach the nearest town, to seek solace in civilization, and perhaps find an answer to the enigmatic presence that seemed determined to shadow my journey. The quaint town that nestled at the foot of the mountain range offered more than just a break from the wilderness. It promised safety. At least that's what I had hoped. My ankle, wrapped tightly, was healing, but the emotional scars of the last few days seemed rawer than ever. While recuperating, I dived into local legends and folklore, seeking explanations for the haunting events on the PCT. Nights were spent poring over old texts, and days were filled with conversations with locals, many of whom regarded me with pity and wariness. Two names repeatedly emerged from the shadows of these tales, skinwalkers and wendigos, creatures that could mimic voices, stalk silently, and instill sheer terror in their victims. Though I pride myself on being a skeptic, The stories hit too close to home. A local old Mrs. Thatcher whispered a chilling addition. Taunts they've marked you, these beings never truly let go. Regardless, after a week in town, and with a renewed determination, I made my way back to the trail. Canada was the goal, and I wasn't about to let legends or my fears deter me. The days blurred together, but an uneasiness persisted. It was as if the very air around me had grown dense. Every rustle, every distant sound seemed to whisper threats, but I pressed on, grit and resolve my constant companions. However, as the days turned to nights and the wilderness swallowed me whole, that nagging sensation of being watched and followed became undeniable. Campfires, usually a source of comfort, seemed to cast more shadows than light, each dancing menacingly in my vision's periphery. Then one evening, as the fiery hues of sunset gave way to the creeping blues and blacks of night, the voice returned. It wasn't outside my tent or off in the distance. It was right by my ear, intimate and terrifying. Kim, it breathed, a chilling parody of familiarity. The fabric of my tent seemed to pulse with the voice, the thin nylon offering no protection from whatever lurked mere inches away. The night was agonizingly long. Every fiber remained alert, waiting for an attack that never came. By dawn, my nerves were frayed, exhaustion weighing me down. The last stretch of the trail before reaching Canada was, ironically, one of the most beautiful. Dense forests opened up to sweeping views of pristine lakes, the horizon a tantalizing promise of the end. Yet, as I took those final steps, 
completing my long journey, the elation I had expected was overshadowed by dread. Standing there, marking the end of the PCT, was the silhouette that had haunted my journey. As the wind picked up, it seemed to dissolve into the breeze, but not before leaving behind a chilling message. You may leave the trail, Kim, the voice echoed, but the trail will never leave you. The vast Canadian wilderness stretched ahead, inviting and menacing all at once. I realized then that some journeys have no true end, and some shadows, no matter how fast you run, cling to you forever. I pulled my truck off the dirt road and into the dense woods of East Tennessee. The leaves crunched under the tires as I maneuvered through the winding path, the forest towering on either side of me. It was a place of legends, of stories whispered around campfires and shared among locals. A place where reality and myth blurred, and the line between fact and fiction was as thin as the mist that hung in the air. I had spent most of my life dismissing those stories, chalking them up to the overactive imaginations of people who spent too much time in the woods. But something had changed. The stories had taken root in my mind, growing like an obsession I couldn't shake. So here I was, a park ranger in this vast wilderness, fueled by curiosity and a desire to uncover the truth behind the legends. My particular fascination was with the Dogman, a cryptid that resembled a humanoid dog. I had read the accounts, heard the eyewitness testimonies, and seen the grainy photographs that were said to be evidence of its existence. It was a creature that shouldn't exist, that defied the laws of nature and reason, and yet the stories persisted. As I parked the truck and stepped out, the forest embraced me. The air was crisp, carrying the scent of pine and damp earth. The sun filtered through the canopy above, casting dappled shadows on the forest floor. I should have felt at peace, surrounded by the beauty of nature, but a sense of unease gnawed at the edges of my consciousness. I adjusted the brim of my hat and shouldered my backpack, the weight of it a reassuring presence. The trails stretched out before me like winding veins leading to the heart of the wilderness. I took a deep breath and began my hike, my footsteps blending with the rustling leaves and the distant chirping of birds. The wind whispered through the trees, carrying the faintest hint of something otherworldly. It was as if the forest held its secrets close, revealing them only to those who dared to seek them. I walked for hours, the rhythm of my steps a comforting cadence. When the sun began its descent, I was in a secluded clearing. The light filtered through the trees, painting the ground with patches of gold. I settled down on a fallen log, my thoughts drifting as I gazed at the beauty surrounding me. And then, a sound cut through the stillness. A faint rustling, like the cautious footsteps of an unseen creature. My senses went on high alert, every muscle in my body tensing. I slowly stood up, my hand instinctively moving to the holster at my hip. The rustling grew louder and closer. I scanned the trees, my heart pounding in my chest. And then, I saw it. A movement in the underbrush, a flash of fur and shadow. My breath caught as I caught a glimpse of something that shouldn't be there, and defied explanation. A creature emerged from the shadows, its form a grotesque blend of man and beast. Its eyes gleamed in the dim light, fixed on me with an unsettling intensity. It was like nothing I had ever seen, a creature from the realm of nightmares. Fear surged through me, a primal instinct that demanded flight, but I stood my ground, my fingers tightening around the grip of my gun, 
The creature recoiled from the light, emitting a low growl that sent a shiver down my spine. I could feel its menace and otherness as if it existed on a plane separate from ours. Without thinking, I raised my gun and fired. The shot echoed through the woods, a loud sound that reverberated in my ears. The creature roared, a sound that seemed to come from the depths of hell itself. And then, it turned and fled, disappearing into the forest's darkness. I stood there, my heart racing, my ears ringing from the gunshot. The clearing was silent once more. The only evidence of the encounter was the faint smell of gunpowder in the air. I took a deep breath, my hands trembling as I lowered the gun. The legends had become a reality, the stories given form. I had come face to face with the unknown, the unimaginable. As the sun sank below the horizon, casting the woods into shadow, I knew that I had stepped into a world where the line between reality and myth was as thin as the mist that hung in the air. The distress call came in on a crisp autumn day, cutting through the forest's quiet like a sharp blade. The woman's voice trembled with worry and fear as she recounted the details of her family's disappearance. Husband, son, and brother-in-law, all gone during what should have been a routine fishing trip to Fontana Lake. I listened intently, my fingers tightening on the steering wheel of my truck as I jotted down their descriptions and the last known location. The woman's desperation was palpable, her words carrying the weight of a nightmare that had come to life. As a park ranger, it was my duty to respond and bring my training and experience to bear on such situations. But this was different. This was personal. The stories of the cryptids that haunted these woods had taken root in my mind, fueling an obsession that drove me to become a part of this wilderness. The Dogman, a creature that defied logic and reason, had become more than just a legend to me. It had become a challenge, a puzzle I was determined to solve. As I navigated the winding roads leading to Fontana Lake, I couldn't shake the unease that hung in the air. The forest surrounded me, a sea of towering trees and hidden secrets. The mist clung to the underbrush, obscuring the path ahead and lending an eerie quality to the landscape. I parked the truck near the lake's edge and stepped out, the chill of the air seeping through my jacket. The water lapped gently at the shore, a mirror of gray and blue that held its mysteries beneath the surface. I glanced around, my senses on high alert, as I prepared to embark on a search mission that could lead to answers, or something far more sinister. I followed the clues and tracks left by the missing trio, my footsteps mingling with theirs as I ventured deeper into the wilderness. The forest seemed to close around me, the trees casting long shadows that whispered secrets in the darkness. The leaves rustled with anticipation, as if the woods held their breath, waiting for me to uncover the truth. I found signs of a struggle at the campsite, torn tents and drops of blood that painted a grim picture. A diary left behind by the missing hiker's son chronicled the events that had unfolded during the ill-fated trip. As I read the entries, a chill crept down my spine, a feeling that the line between reality and myth was again blurring. The diary's pages were filled with fear and desperation, the son's words conveying the terror of a family's encounter with a creature that defied belief. Curious sounds in the woods had escalated into terrifying encounters with a monstrous dogman-like being. The creature's eerie roars and relentless pursuit painted a portrait of a nightmare that refused to end. As I read, a sense of foreboding settled over me, the weight of the unknown pressing down my chest. The hiker's words were a chilling reminder that the legends were more than just stories. They were warnings, 
cautionary tales of the dangers that lurked in the shadows. The sun began to dip below the horizon, casting long shadows stretching like grasping fingers. The forest grew darker, the rustling leaves carrying whispers of something watching, waiting. I closed the diary with a sense of dread, a feeling that I was on the cusp of uncovering a terrifying and inexplicable truth. The night was settling in, the air growing colder as I returned to the truck. The woods felt different now, charged with an energy that was both electrifying and dangerous. The cryptid that had once been the stuff of legends had become a tangible presence, a threat that I could no longer dismiss. As I drove back through the winding roads, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. The woods seemed to close around me, their secrets hidden in the shadows. The stories of the dogman had taken on a new significance, their warnings echoing in my mind as I navigated the darkness. As I approached the cabin where the hiker's family awaited news, I felt dread. The unknown entity that haunted their trip was no longer just a legend. It was a reality I had to face head on. As I stepped out of the truck, the weight of that reality pressed down on me, a reminder that the line between fact and fiction was as thin as the mist in the air. I followed the trail deeper into the woods, each step filled with determination and apprehension. The clues I'd gathered had led me to the ominous Wolf Creek area, a place that seemed to hold secrets in every shadow. The forest canopy above cast dappled sunlight on the ground, creating a mosaic of light and darkness that danced with my every movement. As I ventured deeper into the woods, the air grew calmer, and I felt uneasy. The tension was palpable, like a tight string ready to snap. Every rustle of leaves and a whisper of wind seemed to carry a hidden meaning, a warning that I was not alone in this place. The path ahead was uneven and littered with fallen leaves, making each step a careful negotiation. I moved silently, my senses on high alert, straining to catch any hint of movement or sound. The eerie quiet of the forest was broken only by the occasional chirp of a distant bird or the rustle of a small animal in the underbrush. I rounded a bend in the trail and came upon a clearing, the remnants of a campsite scattered haphazardly across the ground. Torn tents flapped in the breeze, and drops of dried blood marked the earth like a gruesome trail of breadcrumbs. The scene painted a vivid picture of struggle and chaos, leaving no doubt that something terrible had happened here. I knelt to examine the ground, my fingers brushing over the leaves and dirt as I searched for more clues. The soil was disturbed, footprints marring its surface in a pattern that spoke of urgency and fear. I followed the tracks with a growing sense of trepidation, the realization sinking that the missing trio had encountered something far more sinister than a simple camping mishap. The sun was beginning to dip below the horizon, casting long shadows, stretching like the fingers of the unknown. The forest seemed to close in around me, the trees leaning in as if to whisper their secrets. I stood up, my heart pounding, and took a deep breath. There was no turning back now. I was committed to following this trail to its end, no matter how harrowing that journey might become. A glint of metal caught my eye, and I moved toward it, my boots crunching softly on the forest floor. There, partially buried beneath a layer of leaves, was a diary. I carefully retrieved it, the pages worn and weathered from the elements. As I flipped through the entries, the story of the hiker's son began to unfold, a tale of terror and survival in the face of the unknown. The words on the page vividly depicted a fishing trip gone wrong, 
Curious sounds in the woods had escalated into bone-chilling encounters with a creature that defied explanation. The diary chronicled the family's attempts to evade the creature's relentless pursuit, capturing the fear and desperation that had become their constant companions. As I read, a shiver ran down my spine, and I looked up to the surrounding woods with a renewed sense of caution. The creature the hiker's family had described was no mere legend. It was real and here, lurking in the shadows. The air grew colder, and the rustling leaves seemed to whisper its presence, a reminder that danger was never far away. With the diary in hand, I followed the trail, the urgency growing with each step. The woods had taken on an otherworldly quality, the fading light casting long, twisted shadows that seemed to reach out for me. The forest was alive with unseen eyes, and I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. As I pressed on, I couldn't ignore the gnawing sensation that I was entering a realm where reality and myth converged. The creature described in the diary was no longer a figment of imagination. It was a genuine threat, lurking in the darkness, waiting to reveal itself. As I delved deeper into the woods, the line between fact and fiction blurred, leaving me to confront the unknown with each step I took. The woods had a way of swallowing sound, leaving only the distant call of a bird and the soft rustle of leaves underfoot. The crisp air carried a faint scent of pine, a reminder that nature's grip was unrelenting even in the face of the unknown. I followed the trail of clues more profound into the heart of the wilderness. My senses heightened and every nerve on edge. The signs of struggle grew more pronounced as I moved forward. Torn tents, scattered belongings, and the telltale drops of dried blood that marked the passage of something violent and predatory. I knelt by the bloodstains, a chill crawling down my spine as I tried to piece together what had transpired in this desolate clearing. The scent of iron lingered in the air, a haunting reminder that danger was closer than I dared imagine. As I stood up, I was drawn to a piece of paper caught on a branch, its edges weathered and frayed. Carefully, I reached for the paper, unfolding it to reveal a handwritten note, a letter of goodbye addressed to loved ones, and penned with a trembling hand. My heart sank as I read the words, each sentence a testament to the hiker's fear and desperation. They spoke of a creature beyond reckoning that defied the laws of nature and sent shivers down the spine of anyone who encountered it. The hiker's tale unfolded with each line, a harrowing account of strange sounds in the woods, escalating into terrifying encounters with a creature that could only be described as a nightmare given form. The words spoke of its haunting roars and the primal fear that gripped them as they fled through the darkened forest, pursued by an entity that seemed more animal than human. As I read, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was standing on the precipice of something ancient and evil, a force that had existed long before my time and would persist long after I was gone. The woods held secrets, and this creature was one of its darkest mysteries. I folded the letter and tucked it into my pocket, a sad reminder of the lives this creature had disrupted and the terror it had wrought. The sun began its descent, casting long shadows stretching across the forest floor. Time was slipping away, and I knew I had to continue my journey before darkness descended and the creature's reign of terror began anew. The thick canopy above obscured the path before me, and I moved forward with cautious steps. The woods seemed to close around me, the trees leaning in as if whispering their own tales of fear and survival. Every crackle of a twig underfoot and every rustling leaf made my heart pounding, 
a constant reminder that danger could strike any moment. The air grew calmer, and I felt uneasy as I ventured deeper into the woods. Each shadow held a hint of movement, each rustle of leaves a potential threat. I was no longer a mere observer. I was a part of this landscape, a player in a game where the rules were dictated by the creature that haunted these woods. As the light dimmed, I could feel the weight of the unknown pressing down on me. The hiker's diary entries echoed in my mind, their words painting a picture of relentless pursuit and unending fear. I pressed on, my determination unwavering, my senses alert to every environmental shift. The trail led me further into the forest's heart, where the darkness seemed to converge and the trees loomed like ancient sentinels guarding their secrets. I knew that I was closing in on the source of the hiker's terror that soon I would come face to face with the creature that had haunted their nightmares. My flashlight cut through the darkness, casting a narrow beam of light that danced over the trees and underbrush. Every shadow seemed to twist and writhe, taking on a life of its own. The air was heavy with anticipation, the stillness broken only by the distant call of an owl. And then, in the distance, a sound, a low growl, like a warning whispered by the very woods themselves. I tightened my grip on my flashlight and moved forward, guided by a mixture of determination and dread. The subsequent encounter with the creature was inevitable, and I knew that this time there would be no turning back. The night had settled around me, the forest alive with the symphony of unseen creatures. The moonlight filtered through the canopy in scattered patches, casting eerie shadows on the forest floor. Every rustle of leaves, every distant hoot of an owl seemed to amplify the tension in the air. My footsteps were careful and deliberate as I navigated the unfamiliar terrain. The hiker's diary had guided me this far, leading me deeper into the heart of the woods where the creature's presence was most pronounced. The drops of blood were my breadcrumbs, marking a path of fear and desperation. The trail led me further into the woods, where the trees seemed to close around me like silent sentinels. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, that unseen eyes followed my every move. I gripped my flashlight and my gun, my senses on high alert. The diary entries had grown increasingly ominous, the hikers' words reflecting their growing terror. They described a creature that defied the laws of nature, a monstrous being that hunted with relentless determination. The woods themselves had become a prison, each step fraught with the possibility of a deadly encounter. I paused to catch my breath, my eyes scanning the darkness for movement. The only sound was the faint rustling of leaves, the forest holding its breath in anticipation. The diary's words echoed in my mind, a chilling reminder that the creature's pursuit had been unrelenting. The following entry was a jumble of frantic sentences, the hiker's handwriting growing shakier as they recounted their narrow escape from the creature's clutches. It had been a battle of survival a clash between predator and prey that had left its mark on both. The diary's pages were stained with blood, a testament to the violence that had unfolded in these woods. The hiker's words described the creature's roars, reverberating through the forest like a primal cry. It reminded me that I was not alone in these woods. The beast was lurking in the shadows, waiting for its chance to strike. As I read on, the sense of dread grew. The hiker's entries had become more sporadic, their words a testament to their waning hope. They spoke of exhaustion and despair, of being driven to the brink of madness by the relentless pursuit of the creature. The forest had become a labyrinth of fear 
each step taken with trepidation. I continued down the trail, each footfall echoing in the silence. The air was heavy with the weight of the unknown, the darkness a canvas for the creature's evil presence. My flashlight cut through the blackness, revealing the twisted underbrush and gnarled trees that seemed to hold their secrets. And then, a sound, a low growl that seemed to emanate from the depths of the woods. I froze, my heart pounding as I scanned the darkness for movement. A rustling of leaves followed the growl, a chilling reminder that the creature was near. I raised my gun, my grip steady despite the adrenaline coursing through my veins. The creature was out there, watching, waiting. I knew that this encounter was inevitable, that the darkness held the promise of a deadly confrontation. As I moved forward, every sense on high alert, I couldn't shake the feeling that the woods were alive with anticipation. The hiker's diary had led me to this moment of truth, where I would finally come face to face with the creature that had haunted their nightmares. The forest seemed to close around me, the trees becoming a labyrinth of shadows and uncertainty. I moved forward cautiously, my flashlight cutting through the darkness like a beacon of defiance. The growls grew louder and closer, and I felt the weight of the creature's gaze upon me with every step. I raised my flashlight, the light beam revealing the creature's monstrous form. It stood before me, a twisted hybrid of human and beast, its eyes glowing with an otherworldly intensity. Its roars echoed through the forest, a primal challenge that sent shivers down my spine. I tightened my grip on the gun, my heart pounding as the creature advanced. This was the moment I had been preparing for, the climax of a battle brewing in the depths of the woods. The air was charged with tension, the darkness alive with the promise of violence. I took a deep breath, my finger poised on the trigger. The creature's roars reverberated in my ears, drowning out the sounds of the forest. And then, with a surge of determination, I squeezed the trigger, unleashing a barrage of gunfire that echoed through the night. The creature staggered, its form illuminated by the flashes of my gun. It was a moment frozen in time, a clash of predator and prey that held the fate of the woods in its balance. I fired shot after shot, each bullet finding its mark, until finally, with a guttural roar, the creature fell to the ground. The forest fell silent, the gunfire echoes replaced by the rustling of leaves in the wind. I stood there, chest heaving, my gun still raised, as I stared at the fallen creature. Its once menacing form now lay motionless, a testament to the human spirit's capacity for survival. As I approached the creature's lifeless body, I felt a mixture of triumph and sorrow. The battle was over, the darkness had been defeated, but the woods would forever bear the scars of its presence. I looked around, the moonlight casting an ethereal glow over the forest that had been the backdrop of this harrowing journey. The woods held secrets, secrets that I had uncovered in the course of my investigation. But as I looked at the fallen creature before me, I couldn't help but wonder if more mysteries were lurking in the shadows, waiting to be revealed. The cabin's warm light spilled into the fog-covered landscape, casting an eerie glow that danced on the mist. The hiker's family gathered around the fireplace, their faces etched with relief and grief. I stood in the doorway, my heart heavy as I watched the emotional reunion. The woman embraced her son, tears streaming down her face as she held him close. The man clapped me on the shoulder, gratitude in his eyes. The hiker's son looked at me, his expression mixed with sorrow and curiosity. Thank you, the man said, his voice choked with emotion. 
You brought us closure. I nodded, my gaze lingering on the family. It was a bittersweet moment, a reminder that even in the darkest of times, there was still a glimmer of hope to hold on to. As the family shared their memories and stories, I excused myself and stepped outside. The fog had settled in even thicker, the landscape shrouded in a suffocating blanket of white. I took a deep breath, the air cool against my skin as I gazed into the night. The woods were silent, the forest wrapped in an unsettling stillness. The moon hung low in the sky, its pale light barely piercing through the fog. I felt a chill run down my spine, a sense of unease that I couldn't shake. I had taken care of the creature and defeated the threat plaguing these woods. But as I stood there, a nagging doubt gnawed at the edges of my mind. Had I ended the nightmare, or was something more lurking in the shadows? A rustling of leaves broke the silence, my instincts kicking in as I turned toward the sound. My hand instinctively moved to my gun, my heart racing as I scanned the fog-shrouded landscape. The mist seemed to move and shift, taking on a life of its own. And then, emerging from the fog, a figure materialized. It was a silhouette, a monstrous shape that sent a jolt of fear through my veins. The moonlight caught its eyes, casting an otherworldly glow that seemed to pierce through the darkness. I raised my gun, my fingers trembling as I aimed at the figure. But the creature didn't move. It stood there, its eyes locked onto mine. The silence was deafening, the tension in the air suffocating. I squeezed the trigger, the gunshot echoing through the night as the bullet hit its mark. The creature staggered, its form illuminated by the flash of gunfire. But then, to my horror, it didn't fall. It simply straightened, its eyes glowing with an intensity that defied comprehension. A primal fear gripped me, realizing that I had underestimated the darkness in these woods. The creature took a step forward, its movements deliberate and unhurried. It was a dance of predator and prey, a deadly game that had just begun. I fired repeatedly, each shot hitting its mark, but the creature remained unfazed. Its eyes bore into mine, a chilling reminder that I was no longer the hunter, but the hunted. The gunshots punctuated the silence, the fog closing around us like a shroud. I turned and ran, my heart pounding as I plunged into the woods. The branches clawed at my skin, the underbrush a maze of darkness that threatened to swallow me whole. Every rustle of leaves and every twig snap sent a shiver down my spine, a reminder that the creature was still out there, still hunting. My breath came in ragged gasps, my footsteps echoing in the darkness. The fog enveloped me. The world was reduced to shadows and uncertainty. I knew that I was no match for the creature, that its evil presence was an unstoppable force, and as I ran, I couldn't escape the feeling that the woods themselves were alive with its presence, that every rustle of leaves, every gust of wind was a taunt, a reminder that I was never truly alone. I stumbled through the underbrush, my heart pounding as I realized there was no escape. The creature was out there, in the fog, its eyes watching, its presence a constant threat. The darkness had consumed me, and there was no way out. As I ran, a chilling thought gripped me, a realization that the creature was not simply a monster, but a manifestation of the primal fears that lurked within us all. It was a reminder that in the heart of the woods, in the depths of the unknown, there were forces beyond our understanding that could not be defeated. And then, with a bone-chilling howl, the creature emerged from the fog, its eyes glowing with a hunger that sent a shiver down my spine. It was a dance of predator and prey, 
a battle for survival that had only begun. As its form closed in on me, the darkness consumed everything, leaving only the echoes of my screams in its wake. The air was crisp, and the autumn leaves crunched under our feet as Sarah and I ventured into the dense wood behind our small town of Harrow's Edge. The day I had begun innocently enough, with me suggesting a walk motivated by more than just the pleasure of nature, I had hoped to find a moment alone with Sarah, maybe steal a kiss. The thrill of possibility tingled in my chest, making me feel alive in a way I hadn't felt in years. We laughed and talked the forest's embrace drawing us further from the familiar paths and into the wilderness. It was a connection, a moment of shared discovery I hadn't anticipated, but something I eagerly welcomed. Then, as the shadows lengthened and the sun descended, we realized we were lost. Panic set in slowly like a rising tide. Our laughter died, replaced by worried glances and urgent whispers. Once a place of wonder and connection, the forest became a labyrinth, its twisted paths leading us further into uncertainty. And then we heard it, a soft rustle, barely perceptible, like the distant whisper of wind through the leaves. We stopped, straining our ears, looking around but seeing nothing. What was that? Sarah asked, her voice barely above a whisper. I don't know, I replied, my heart pounding. We continued, our pace quickened, and the conversation stilled. The rustling followed us growing louder, more insistent and invisible. The forest seemed to close around us, the trees leaning in, gnarled branches like skeletal fingers reaching us. The fear grew, an unspoken dread that gnawed at our insides. We were not alone. Something was following us, something unseen, something hungry. We stumbled upon a clearing, our breaths ragged, our faces pale. The rustling had stopped, but the silence was even more terrifying. It was the quiet of anticipation, the hush before a storm. What is it, Matt? Sarah's eyes were wide, her face pale. What's following us? I don't know, I admitted, my voice cracking. But we need to keep moving. The forest seemed to mock us, its paths leading us in circles, the shadows growing more profound, the temperature dropping. Our shared adventure had become a nightmare, and the terror was palpable. The rustling returned, closer now, more pronounced. It was not the sound of an animal, it was something else, something unnatural. A chill ran down my spine and I knew in my bones that we were being hunted. We ran. The forest became a blur, our breaths ragged, our hearts pounding. The rustling followed us, relentless, closing in, a predator stalking its prey. Time lost meaning as we stumbled through the darkness, guided only by instinct and fear. The world narrowed to the sound of our breath, the beat of our hearts and the rustling that followed us, ever present, ever hungry. Finally, we stumbled upon an old cabin hidden deep within the forest, a relic of a forgotten time. Its windows were broken, its door hanging ajar, but it offered the promise of shelter. We rushed inside, barricading the door, our bodies trembling, our minds numb. The cabin was cold and dark, filled with the musty smell of decay, but it was a refuge from the horror that lurked outside. We huddled together, listening to the silence, waiting for the rustling to return, but it never did. Hours passed, the terror subsiding, replaced by exhaustion. We were safe, for now, but the nightmare was far from over, for we were lost, trapped in a forest that had become a maze, hunted by something we could not see or understand. 
and as I looked into Sarah's eyes, I knew our journey had only begun. The forest had taken us, drawn us into its dark embrace, and it was not done with us yet. The kiss, the connection, the innocent adventure had turned into something else, something darker, something that would change us forever. The night wore on, every sound amplified by the silence, every creak of the old cabin a sinister whisper. Sarah and I huddled together, our bodies racked with fear, our minds haunted by the unknown terror outside. Sleep was impossible. We were prisoners of our dread, trapped in a never-ending nightmare. Finally, as the first rays of dawn began to pierce the gloom, we ventured outside. The forest was still, its silence no longer a comfort but a threat. The rustling was gone, but the terror remained, a shadow hanging over us, a chill in our bones. We stumbled on, guided by some primal instinct drawn deeper into the forest's dark heart. Our senses were heightened, our nerves frayed, every snap of a twig a warning, every gust of wind a taunt. And then, just when we thought we were free, the rustling returned. This time it was different, more pronounced, more menacing. It was no longer just a sound. It was a presence, a dark force that lurked just beyond our sight, stalking us, toying with us. We ran, our terror fueling us, our bodies propelled by pure fear. The forest became a maze, its paths twisted, its trees gnarled, its shadows alive. The rustling followed us, relentless, closing in, a predator playing with its prey. We were no longer lost, we were hunted, we stumbled upon a cliff, our way blocked, our escape cut off. The rustling was all around us, a cacophony of terror, a symphony of horror. We were trapped, cornered, our fate sealed. And then, as the terror reached its peak, it revealed itself. It was not a creature, not a beast, but a manifestation of the forest itself, a living nightmare born of the twisted trees and dark shadows. Its form was ever-changing, a swirling mass of branches, leaves, and darkness, its eyes glowing with malevolence, its mouth a gaping maw of terror. It spoke, its voice a whisper, a rustle, a sound that chilled the soul. Its words were a riddle, a puzzle, a challenge. Lost you are. Lost you'll be unless you answer true to me. We were paralyzed, trapped in its gaze, our minds numb, our bodies frozen. The forest had become our tormentor, our judge, our executioner. It asked us questions, dark riddles that probed our deepest fears, our darkest secrets. It knew us, knew our desires, our regrets, our sins. It taunted us, teased us, tortured us with the truth. We answered, our voices trembling, our minds unraveling the terror becoming a living thing, a force that consumed us, a darkness that swallowed us whole. Finally, it was satisfied, its hunger sated, its thirst quenched. It retreated, its form dissolving, its presence fading, leaving us broken, shattered, forever changed. We found our way back, guided by some unseen hand, drawn by some unspoken force. We emerged from the forest, our bodies intact, our minds scarred, our souls forever marked. We had faced the terror and survived the nightmare, but the forest had taken something from us, something intangible, something irreplaceable. We had ventured into the darkness, seeking connection, seeking adventure, but we had found something else, something more, something terrifying. The forest had spoken, its voice a rustle, its words a riddle, its lessons a horror. We were no longer lost, but we were no longer whole. The forest had taken us, shown us the darkness within, and left us forever haunted by the rustling, the terror, 
the nightmare that lurked just beyond our sight. We had wanted more and received it. A lesson in terror, a journey into darkness, a glimpse into the abyss. And the rustling still follows us. A whisper in the wind, a chill in our bones, a reminder that the terror is never truly gone, that the darkness is always waiting, that the forest is forever watching.